Hey, what's up? My name is New York Nick, and welcome to New York Nick Live, where original music lives. Tonight, my featured guest, Joel Hoekstra of Whitesnake. I know you're going to dig this. He's got some favorites. It's called 13. We're going to listen to it right here, right now. Come on, Hey, everybody, this is Joel Hoekstra, and you're listening to Hard to Say Goodbye from Joel Hoekstra's 13. Mmm. Yeah, like that. Stay 
Yes, that was a tune called Hard to Say Goodbye by Joel Hoekstra. I recently caught up with Joel and I asked him this question. What does it take to get a band noticed? And this is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, I think for a musician, it's important to get to remain open minded about what you're going to do. Uh, and look at the positives you can get out of situations more than the negatives. So let's say, for instance, those people, let's say one of them had an opportunity to uh, also play cover songs in a band, right? Now, I don't want to be in a cover band. I want to just work on my own music. Well, maybe you need to think about, like, what are the positives that can come out of being in the cover band? And, And, you know, you're getting paid to get better and have the opportunity to get new fans for your original music. and. So as long as you keep your eye on the ball uh, in terms of where you want to end up, which should happen inevitably for people because people have goals that they want. And as long as you know it's not going to kill your goals, I think it's nice to remain open-minded and let life guide you. That's what I've done with music in general. I've never really had a very specific goal. I never really said I wanted to be like a recording artist per se or have... I mean, I, there's been times I've had my own band and released my own albums and things like that, but I, I, I've just done a lot of different stuff and I've seen what took off for me. And I've ended up in situations that I've never thought I would have been in. For instance, the two that I always cite to people are playing on, uh, in Rock of Ages on Broadway for over six years, right. which really changed my whole life like financially, man. I was always kind of like the struggling guy up until right. I had those six years because that that was the gave me the ability to take off from that job whenever I needed to to keep play with Night Ranger or play with Trans Siberian Orchestra. So that gave me three gigs to juggle for six years basically. Changed my life. You know, all of a sudden I had money in the bank and I wasn't like the guy like struggling to pay his bills and right. So while it was never my dream, like when I was sitting around with my guitar when I was a young kid going, someday I'm going to be in, on Broadway, uh, and that, I mean, no no kid sets out learning Black Sabbath songs thinking that, right? Right, right. But, but it ended up being like a great thing in my life and like a positive uh, occurrence and something that changed my life for the better. So again, that's just what's worked for me. It's not to say that's the plan for anybody else, but uh, I've just tried to remain open-minded and try and always, every situation, try and look at what's good about it rather than what's bad because you can there's going to be something bad about basically every situation you're ever going to be in if if you just constantly focus on that it's going to drive you nuts right right so there you go so what was your what was your big breakthrough for you going back never never really had like a single one it was just like this series of baby steps that just kind of Hopefully, it's still going, you know, if the world ever returns to normal. We'll get to Uh, that. um, But just the baby step thing, it's just kind of, and then just staying busy, like work creates work. You know, I I went from uh, being like a local kid, going out to GIT, which was a step up because I met new people, going to Hollywood, working at a studio there, going back to Chicago, playing in my own band and get and teaching 70 students a week which I had never taken on that kind of roster and I did that for a very long time and kind of the quality of the gigs I did got better and better uh, as I was in the Chicago area doing that and then going to New York and taking on a theater gig called Love Janice that was a show about Janice Joplin and that became when I first only was gigging and then playing with oldies bands that sort of taught me the ropes in terms of fly dates and touring, playing with the Turtles and Big Brother and the Holding Company. A lot of people don't know I did these gigs, but I did. I actually played bass for the Turtles. That's like how much I kind of, but again, I could have been 
lot of a lot of people would have moaned about that. Like, man, I can shred. And I'm playing bass in this band, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world because I was right. like, I was getting paid to go out and travel, and like I looked at all the cool things about it. Like, hey, man, this is great. I'm getting good money to go out and uh, play in a band that has famous songs. Yeah, from the '60s, but who cares? It's very cool. Like, I, I love the guys, and we had a good time. And uh, that's just the way I've tried to approach. They had all these baby steps. So the you know the turtles led to uh, eventually Jim Peterick's World Stage led to Night Ranger for me, and also Scrap Metal. All those things kind of led into Night Ranger and uh, Rock of Ages. Kind of came from playing pit music in New York City, like subbing in the pit stuff and getting that gig from there. And uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra really kind of came from more or less doing Rock of Ages, oddly enough. Uh, really, both of those having Night Ranger and Rock of Ages. And uh, getting a, but it was really uh, me being on America's Got Talent that got me the TSO audition or a second look. I think they kind of checked me out and was like, no, because I didn't go crazy in my audition. And then I think once they saw this clip of me on America's Got Talent, I got another look and, and then it ended up getting the gig. And so all these things feed each other, right? And then uh, I think really Whitesnake, I don't think I would have been able to join Whitesnake had I not been in Night Ranger. I don't know if David Coverdale would have said, I want we, we want the guitar player from Rock of Ages. Right. I mean, maybe, but I doubt it, right? He probably wanted somebody from a band in the scene. And uh, so all these things just kind of fed each other. Um, and eventually, you know, you end up like Cher. I th Cher was really from reaching out to people that I got to know through the years and being respected. Hey, everybody, this is Joel Hoekstra, and you're listening to New York Nick Live, where original music lives. I hope you enjoy my new album, Running Games. These are just a few of my favorites. Enjoy. Hey, everybody, this is Joel Hoekstra, and this is Finish Line from Joel Hoekstra's 13. <laughs>
just wow, what a masterpiece by Joel Hoekstra and his uh, new CD, Running Games, Joel Hoekstra's 13. Just an amazing album. If you haven't heard this album, folks, you need to pick this album up. You can get it on Apple Tunes, I'm sure, Spotify. I'm sure there's several outlets where you can pick up this uh, this album. What a great, great album. That was Finish Line, man. Great tune. I got a couple more for you. But we're going to continue with the conversation with Joel. You know, we talked a while back and, uh, you know, Joel is a very humble individual. What a great guy he is. What a great human he is. And uh, it was just amazing some of his uh, answers. You know, I, I admitted to him, uh, you know, that uh, I didn't know about Joel Hoekstra until uh, TSO, you know, the Christmas show that comes around Trans-Siberian. And this is what he had to say about Trans-Siberian. Let's listen in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of TSO for the time I've been with them. Uh, it's just a phenomenal production that uh, phenomenal to be able to step foot on that stage is always something special just because, I mean, I could probably be a grandma in a rocking chair and look like a, a huge rock star up there with that light show and, and all the pyro and, and lasers. And I mean, it's, it's something else, man. It's a spectacle. So I'm honored to be a part of it. Really all the, all the gigs I've had are all like a guy coming from the suburbs of Chicago. Right. I don't know that necessarily if I'm supposed to be doing any of this, dude. So, you know, I kind of, well, you wrap that around you had a Christmas show type thing. How, how did you, I mean, how did you, you know, wrap that around your head that you're going to actually go out and do Christmas songs and do a Christmas show? I mean, that's, you know, being a rock star. I mean, come on, you're the epitome of the rock star. I mean, you, you look up in the, in the dictionary rock star and there you are. And you're doing a Christmas show. Where did that go? How did you get there? Um, well, that was really Alex Skolnick needed to take a year off, um, and they needed somebody. And a couple of people in the band recommended me, and I auditioned with Al Petrelli, and uh, at that time the casting director for the the band, and uh, it went pretty well. But the video, I think they they took of me. I right. like I said, I think I, I'm one of those guys that needs the stage to to throw the shapes and do the moves. Gotcha. Dude, you know what I mean? Like yes, and absolutely. I, I can't get inspired at like a rehearsal hall like without anybody watching me it's like we just uh, like at that time it wasn't even smartphones it was this is back when it was a like a flip cam or whatever right right, right. No, take I get a it. video of me and it was like i feel really stupid trying to like be act like a rock star in here right now because i was playing by myself <laughs> and so i just didn't do that and then uh, i can see that and then, and then when I was on America's Got Talent, that that really helped me a lot. The Rock of Ages went on there as a musical guest, and then I think I passed that along actually as a like an afterthought because I thought, all right, I didn't get that gig, but right. I'm just going to send this to the casting director just in case. And uh, it turned out that led to me getting another audition and getting the gig. So right. that's it's amazing how these little sometimes second yeah. pushes. Yep, uh, makes all the difference. Yep. Yep. I, I have this, really the same story with White Snake, man. I mean, I I kind of when Doug left the band, I sent a bunch of stuff to Red Beach and was like, "Hey, dude, you know, let's let's do this. Like, get get me in there, get me an audition." And so I I sent him all the stuff, and I think he passed it on to David. But I don't think you know David might have watched like a clip or two of like something that maybe just wasn't his kind of song. Rather than I now, in retrospect, I probably should have videotaped myself playing White Snake songs for him. Right, right? that's right, right. that would have been the smart move. But I just kind of did like pre-existing videos and thought, well, this will get me an audition, and then right. I can show that I can play the White Snake stuff. But uh, 
anyway, I, I didn't hear anything at first. And then I thought, well, come on now. Who do I know that knows David that can get me an audition? I happen to think of Phil Carson, who manages Foreigner, and Dee Snyder. And, and uh, I had filled in for Mick Jones at Foreigner. We're going to so talk Phil, about that. I want to hear about yeah. that. Yeah, so Phil and I knew each other. So I kind of called in the favor from Phil. And then when Phil uh, emailed David about it, that got me the audition. And so That's some, awesome. and that was like uh, like maybe even a couple weeks after the videos had been sent of like me at that point going, all right, I didn't get even an audition. Right. And, and I think it was almost a matter of pride at a point. I'm like, you're going to tell me I can't get an audition? I'm like, come on, man. So I uh, I just kind of persisted. So sometimes that persistence really. Oh well, yeah, you gotta you gotta get yourself out there, and and, and you gotta have the confidence. You, you gotta have a little bit of cockiness to you, and just say I can do this. And hell yeah, man. So tell me about the six songs that you co-wrote with David. Gonna be all right. Trouble in uh, trouble is your middle name. Well, I never. After all, let's start with gonna be all right. Tell me about that song real quick. We we won't go through all of them. Just. Or yeah, was it you want to stand out? That's super cool because that was an idea he had for a follow-up to the Coverdale Page record. So he right. really had Jimmy Page in mind with that riff. Oh, and seriously? So yeah, so that was so he had to take a serious downgrade to finish it with me. <laughs> Somehow come on, man. I, man, you are the most humble I'm good at my original you are the most humble guy. I just love that. I mean had, it's just it's he had, awesome. He had, to, he had to go from Jimmy Page to <laughs> <laughs> Joel Hoekstra but no no I mean so that was the story with that one which is super cool and obviously I'm very humbled and I, I'm honored to write with David in any capacity whatever he has in mind for me and Weissick works for me man you know uh, but that was the story with that one uh, after all was the first thing we ever did together we, we did that for what was going to be unzipped the, right. uh, the acoustic box set and then I think he liked it so much he just thought I'm going to save that for the album right um, there was one other that we did that was kind of along the same vein that if uh, I could have up. you gonna be all right no 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 it, it's not oh. on flesh and blood oh, okay there's, there's another song that we did like that at that time okay and, I got you uh, uh, good story is trouble is your middle name was during the unzipped stuff where I was doing some tracking for David of the hits and and we were working on after all and then uh, at some point we were just so sick of listening to acoustic guitar we plugged in a Les Paul and I started coming up with some riffs and I played the riffs for troubles your middle name and uh, we ended up coming up with that during an acoustic session so i mean that's what's funny is but eventually so cool. plugging in a les paul just because there was only so long we could stand to hear just acoustic and uh, that was the first electric song that right. him and i got to write together or that i got to write with him however you want to word it but um gosh from there uh a lot of a lot of the, the ideas start with david and and then i would just sort of like build them out and that was really the way I, yeah, that was the way we had our best groove because that way I knew it was an idea that he liked and it wasn't going to totally get shelved. Like if I right, right, I, right, right. I, if I handed up a bunch of riffs and said, "David, yeah, come up with something to that," and well, maybe it never gets played. Maybe if he played it, maybe he doesn't come up with something the first time, and then it just never gets listened to again. Who knows? So for me, the best opportunity came in terms of working with David on writing was if he would have something like a chorus and say, where would you go with that? Because right. he only has this much. Now for me, it was a great opportunity then to sit and 
It was also cool because it just felt like really two people writing together, not like uh, emailing riffs to each other or something. And right, so right. it was cool to, to put it together with him on the spot. All that stuff kind of happens at the band house around uh, his desk. He's got a desk up there, like kind of an almost an office type area uh, that we just would sit. There's There are little amps and electric guitars there too, but we tend to just pick up acoustics. David always writes on this little nylon string, which is really kind of amazing. He's written so many of the songs he's he's written on this little it's not even a full-scale nylon string guitar. oh seriously wow yeah and that's what he sits and and writes on all the time he's so an he, awesome guy though yeah he's a lot better on guitar than people realize he can actually really i it was shocking to me i just thought like okay david doesn't really play guitar right i didn't really know coming into the band so it was cool to see so how's much. all the camaraderie like how's it working with david i i, I obviously it's awesome man totally awesome i think that, like some people i guess in this business some people click better than others you know i would right. say that we we click really well I, I i got nothing but great things to say about him and uh i owe him a lot for all the great experiences he's given me in this in in white snake and hopefully that's not to put it in, totally in the past how's working with tommy Tommy's, man, these guys, they're all badasses. You're all badasses, man. I'm serious, man. It's it's great seeing you guys up there. What's not to like about working with Tommy? He's yeah. he's he's awesome. So he's a powerhouse back there. He brings a lot of energy. Um you know, a lot of heaviness, a lot of amazing showmanship. He's just a lot, a lot of that stuff is harder than people realize. I think sometimes, you know, I mean, he's up there throwing his head around like he's animal from the Muppets while he's got the, got the hair. Fly, you know, <laughs> he's amazing. You know? I went to, the, I was, somebody uh, said his hair needs its own Twitter. Account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Hey everybody. This is Joel Hoekstra. This is how do you from Joel Hoekstra's 13. I could make things 
Simply amazing. Simply amazing, ladies and gentlemen. How do you? Another great tune by Joel Hoekstra on the album 13 Running Games. Man, I'll tell you, it, it was a real pleasure to talk with Joel, uh, you know, a while back. And uh, I asked him this question. I said, Joel, when did you know you wanted to be a musician? And this is what he had to say. How old were you when you started realizing you wanted to be a musician? Uh, 11. My parents had me at it with classical way before that with uh, cello and piano. And then uh, once I, I saw and heard ACDC, uh, Angus Young in, in particular, that was really what made me want to uh, get a guitar and get on there. And I had a great teacher who taught me like nothing but rock songs in the early going. And I was just addicted, man. I mean, I just was doing it hours and hours a day. So um, I like to think that that was really the last career decision I had to make in a lot of ways in my life right and just yeah so the, so the parents supported the guitar yeah I think they probably thought I was going to be more like Segovia when I came to them and asked to get a guitar I don't think they realized, realized where I was headed with it that I was looking at Angus Young and not Segovia but uh, <laughs> it, it all worked out in the end I think they're reasonably happy with some of the things that have gone down and uh, I'm sure they probably would have preferred if I became a virtuoso classical guitar player but right. um, you know I, I studied classical guitar a bit and did okay with it I just it wasn't my true love in the end I, I do enjoy like being able to play those styles a bit uh but definitely rock is that's what i fell in love with as a kid so first organized band how old were you uh full band 15 first gigs and everything yeah cover band or original music both so we we would cover we, we covered mainly like docking we did a lot of docking songs i remember and I think, uh, forget what else, honestly, that we covered. But we had our originals. In fact, on this break, I think you saw I was maybe digitizing some of my, if you've been following the Twitter. Yep, sure have. Digitizing the old cassettes. Yep, and so uh, I had myself all the way back in the, the studio with that band when I was 15 years old, recording the uh, original songs that we had at the time, the first two, probably the first two full songs I wrote in my life. And they're pretty horrible, but uh, I mean, I was only 15. 15, so question i know you might hate this one tribute bands what's your thoughts about that i have a buddy reason why i have a buddy he's got a, a tribute band and it's called rock snake tony baker he's online watching uh, uh w-r-o-c-k snake i mean he idolizes your playing i'm just saying um, I mean, I, I think any opportunity to make a living in music and uh, have an opportunity doing that is, is good. I, I would never uh, have anything negative to say about tribute bands. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'd say more power to everybody being able to get out and, and make a living and, and, and uh, live their dream to whatever degree they can. With it, you know, I, I think you got to look at all the positives with these things, right? Right. So, um, I mean, him, him being out with a, a, a tribute band, that's awesome, I think. Coolest moment in your career? Oh, man. I, I, it's too many, man. I, I don't know if Come I can on, give you Come on, you got to give me one. Coolest moment. Because, look, man, you played with the Turtles, Scrap Metal, D. Schneider, Brandon Gibbs, all these artists, Joan Jett, Tommy Shaw. You got to give me the coolest 
moment in your in your in your life that working with all these recording artists and Broadway and I mean you have a resume that's just so awesome. I don't know, man. It's really hard to it's really hard to say or to answer that in all honesty because it's just kind of felt like this series of and I've had a lot of really really cool moments. So I guess it would depend too on like what the definition of like is it celebrity is it is it like the musicality of it is it the uh, you know like there's all these elements to what could create the coolest moment it's really impossible to answer man i hate to i hate to deny a, an answer on that but well, i just don't that means you've had many great experiences in your life and and that's a beautiful thing there's a lot of people that that wish they could be in that spot. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that person, but I'm just saying it's, it's an awesome thing. All right. So you're sitting around right now, you're quarantined, you're talking to New York, Nick, you don't know this guy from hell and you're talking to all these fans out here right now. And you're done. And now you just want to chill out and you got your iPod on. What are you listening to? Uh, man, all I ever listen to is the music I'm working on. So uh, as soon as we're done, I'm going to go set up and I'm going to uh, get myself going on the, the album. And, and just basically I, right now while I'm at home and I have the whole family at home all day because the kids are out of school and uh, my wife's out of work right now, too. So uh, it's basically like the whole family all day. And then once everybody goes to bed, it's time for me to get get some music work done. So that's uh, really only about like three, four hours a day right now for me to get that opportunity. So I'll work on the record that amount of time every night for the unforeseeable future and or a session or whatever I can do, like the interviews just to stay, stay focused and stay out there. But yeah, in terms of like, Hey man, let's listen to some stuff. I mean, I'll tell you what I'm listening to when, when people ask me and that's like the soundtrack to frozen Two because my daughter is singing it all the time. So that's what I'm listening to. Anybody, anybody wants to know uh, what, what do you, what do you, what do you listen to? And that's not by choice necessarily, but it's what I'm listening to. I'm going backwards here, but I, I still want to hear your ex experience uh, filling in for Mick in Florida. How did that come about? Yeah, I think that was because Phil Carson, their manager, had come to Rock of Ages because he also managed Dee Snyder, who was a part of the show. So Phil, Phil and I had met there, and he had seen me play a couple Foreigner songs in the show Rock of Ages. So I think when that tour was out then, it was Night Ranger, Foreigner, um, Journey. Right. And right. so right. we we were out for a while and then Mick got sick and basically Phil needed somebody to fill in. So there I was and he thought, well, this guy's already knows a couple of the foreigner songs. And so he's already out on the tour. We don't need to fly somebody in. Let's get him to learn the set real quick. So I it was very last minute. I learned the, the set in a day and and went on with them the next day. It was like a, a total panic, uh, but great opportunity. Obviously, like an honor to fill in for Mick, who's a legend. You know, what amazing a, what a musical career no what a songwriter so um obviously an awesome opportunity to get to do that and just another great story you know yeah, like yep. uh, as i said it's a lot of moments there's too many of them uh chris Presta, a good friend of mine he just sent me a text he wanted to uh know who you would love to play with that you haven't yet um if you had the opportunity so my answer to that is always just anybody who is positive minded and uh, is talented, 
Like I, I like, obviously the talent thing is awesome, but I like people that have like the positive attitude cause they kind of right. keep your attitude positive in the process. So, uh, yeah, there you go, man. That's, that's my answer. And, and very general, I know, but you can never, it's always better to keep it like I'm doing than to get too specific. Right. If I have one person that I'm dying to play with and I focus on that the whole time, that one thing might never happen. You got to just be a little more broad and give, give things a chance to happen. Cause sometimes you get these unexpected, beautiful things like the Broadway thing and like the share thing, right? Things that you never would have thought in your life you'd be doing, but then you end up having a great time. And so stay open to the open-minded of these opportunities. And so young lady just asked, wanted to hear about your family and I don't know if you want to get on that you know about your kids and not a ton I mean I mean I try and keep it separate because I don't really want yeah I they're kids you know yep, like yep, I, yep. It's, so I I don't really do the putting my kids on social media thing I don't think it's necessarily right or the right thing to do with them and um, I agree so I mean you know, I try and keep that stuff have like, uh, I'm not like, you know, crazy about it, but at the same time, I just, it's nothing that I, I like to do necessarily to, uh, keep, keep them just living like normal lives as kids. What a great interview. You know, Joel Hoekstra is such a great guy. No, I'm, I'm serious. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I sent him a Facebook message and, and he responded almost immediately said, Hey man, let's do it. You know, um, you know, I know during the pandemic and the lockdown, these guys are bored and stuff like that, but you know, I, I never expected to hear back from him and, and boom, one morning I woke up and he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. And that was a Facebook live interview. And we spent almost an hour just talking stuff, talking music, what a great, great interview. It was very informative. Um, he answered my questions and I mean, it was just great. Um, you know, you, you don't get that from a lot of egotistical, um, musicians. You know, I mean, a lot of these musicians, I mean, I, you know, I don't expect Axel Rose to, to hit me back up unless I was with Blabbermouth or something like that. I, I'm just a regular guy. Um, you know, just having fun. You know, this is a great hobby for me. And, uh, man, it was great talking to, uh, one of my heroes. I mean, he's, he's a great guitarist, man. I mean, seriously, seriously, people just think about it for a minute. Now we're going to play, uh, my favorite off the album. It's called Lay Down Your Love, Joel Hoekstra's 13 Running Games. I mean, pick it up. Go to Apple Music and buy this thing, man. It's old-time rock and roll with some great guitar, some great leads. He's got some great musicians on this album. It is great. Yes, I said album. I'm an album guy. All right? That shows my age. But pick up this album. I really appreciate everybody tuning in tonight and and listening to, uh, you know, Joel and myself and the music and because that's what this is all about. I, I really do appreciate everybody that's tuned in. My name is New York Nick, and this is New York Nick Live, where original music lives. I'm going to end this podcast with Lay Down Your Love, Joel Hoekstra's 13 Running Games. Pick it up. Thank you.
Joel Hoekster, ladies and gentlemen, here on New York Nick Live. Pick up the album. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Joel Hoekster's 13 Running Games, brought to you by New York Nick Live, here in the studio, up high in Swanee, Georgia. Thanks for stopping by tonight. I really appreciate it. Good night. <laughs>